Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, good morning. Praise God. Good to see any George Strait fans here. Well, I have um, changed some lyrics. One of the songs, just in honor of what's going to happen this afternoon, it goes something like this. <clears throat> Orange and blue is the color of my team. Orange and blue. Oh, come on, Bronco fan. Any Bronco fans here today? Okay. Oh, yeah, back on the back row. Scott. David, right here. David, come on, stand up. Let's show him your orange shirt. <laughs> he said it's an accident. Okay. Well, you accidentally came to a pastor who loves a church who loves the Broncos. So I just declare that you are today a Bronco fan. So, Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you here today. Praise God. Um, I want us to take our Bibles, and we're going to go to the book of, hmm, let me think, Romans. Romans chapter 8. We started a series last week called The Laws of Grace, The Five Laws of Grace, or The Laws of Our New Covenant. And, um, <clears throat> and these laws are working for you. They're, on your, they're working on your behalf. Now, there was another set of laws called the Ten Commandments or the Law of Moses that was actually working against you, working against you. As a matter of fact, Colossians 2 says that Jesus, that, let's look at this. Uh, bring up uh, Colossians 2 there, Brooke. Or who is that back there? Is that Brooke? Who is? Who? Lee, oh, hi, Lisa. I'm sorry. I can't see you because of these lights. Great to see you back there. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He's talking about the law of Moses here. See, the law was for the nation of Israel. It was for them, and, and it is what defined them as a nation. Once they got out from, the, from under the tyranny and the bondage of Egypt, and now God is bringing them into a new place, so he establishes a set of laws for them as a nation to be governed by. And those laws were not for you. They were actually, like I said, working against you. As a matter of fact, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, one of the laws is thou shalt not kill. Right? If you if you quote the law, you have to use King James Version. Thou shalt not kill. And and but that didn't mean don't ever kill anybody. It just mean, meant don't kill each other. Everybody on the outside, people like you and I, <clears throat> could be killed. As a matter of fact, they did a lot of killing after that law came. All right, so that law was applying to them within their nation. And so that law was, like I said, contrary to us. It was not even, didn't even apply to us. It was working against people like us. But Jesus has taken it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And his, when he... Uh, cut covenant in his own body and he bled, for our, bled and died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day, a new and living way was known. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that now we have received a better covenant established on better promises. The first covenant was this one that was a, a set of rules and regulations. One that if you did good, you got good. If you did bad, you got bad. And, and there was more bad than there was good, actually. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's a very long chapter. You can see, oh, about 20% of what God had to say about the law, there was blessing, and the rest of it was a list of all the curses if you didn't do the right thing. And uh, so, 
And then men found out that they couldn't keep this law. So everybody um, was penalized because of their, their lack of ability. I want us to go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And, and so we're talking about these laws, the laws of grace, that laws have come uh, to us in this new covenant, as I said, not to work against us, but actually to work for us and to our benefit. Last week we covered the law of faith, the first law we looked at, um, Romans chapter 3, teaching us that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Uh, Romans chapter 4 says it like this, that, uh, that God justifies, he who belie- believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. He believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Now that's grace right there in and of itself, isn't it? He justifies the ungodly. It's easy to justify the godly. It's easy to justify the innocent, the people who are doing right. But God justified the ungodly. He gifted us justification. He gifted us salvation. Not because we earned it, but because he wanted us to have it. That's what grace is. God wanting you to have what he wants you to have. That's his favor on your life. And, and, and the, the only way that you can access that is by faith. Just to believe on him. But that says, Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 3 there, talk about apart from the law. That he who believes on him who does not work. Oh, that's right. Romans 4, 5 says, but to him who does not work, but believes on. I'm not saying getting a job, all right? That has, I'm talking about working for righteousness sake. All right, he who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So what we come to learn here and learn in the scriptures is that our reality as Gentiles, as the children of God by the grace of God who have been grafted into this thing, our reality as faith without works is righteousness. Faith without works is righteousness. Now to the Jew, over in the book of James, we read faith without works is dead. And so there, our gospel is founded in Christ, but the way it is lived out is a bit different. The way this gospel is lived out is a bit different. And um, because God is still identifying with his people as a nation, so there are aspects of that law that are still intact so that whenever the Gentile church, whenever the church as a whole, I should say, is taken out of the way, taken up into heaven, then God will then finish his whole story, finish what he needs to do, his business, with Israel. All right? So that's why it's important that they have faith and works for justification. We simply have faith without works. All right? Uh, now, we, we've covered this, uh, especially on Wednesday nights, um, but these are things that we continue to talk about because there is a gospel to the Gentile and there is a gospel to the Jew, all right? And when you understand that, when you really get what, then you'll understand that, that that's how God has uh, spoken to us, then the Bible will really make more sense to you. It'll really make more sense to you. Uh, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 that, that he who worked effectively in Peter uh, as an apostle to the Jews also worked in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. All right? Peter, James, and John told Paul and Barnabas, we're going to the Jews, you go to the Gentiles. And so there, let, me, let me back up for just a moment. I, I didn't plan on doing this, but... I think we need to talk about it for just a moment. Romans chapter 3, Brooke, let's just, I mean, Lisa, let's go there. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 
27, start there, and we're gonna go down a few verses. Is it okay if we do a little Bible study today? All right, Romans chapter three, verse 27. It says uh, something. I'll start reading it here. Where, where is boasting then it is excluded? By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Let's look at verse 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Now catch, out, catch what Paul is saying here. If he's the God of the Jews only then a man is justified by faith with the deeds of the law. But he says, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, or is he the God of the Jews only? No, he's not just the God of the Jews only, but he is also the God of the Gentiles. Oh, okay. So some are justified by faith plus works, and others are justified by faith with, apart from works. Everybody understanding what I'm saying here today? All right, I th can I just say this? And of course, I'm maybe maybe I'm I'm saying this out of ignorance, and there's a very good chance of that. I like our deal better. Yeah, but I'm sure if I had a, a Jewish mind, I would be thinking otherwise. <laughs> so we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law, and both James and both Paul are talking about justification. Justification, a man made righteous by, or made, or justified by faith with works or faith apart from works, all right? And they're not saying, Paul and James are saying opposite things and both of them are right. <laughs> they're saying the opposite thing and both of them are right. And the, and the only way that they can be right is to understand what audience is being addressed, okay? This is just a good Bible study here for you today, some good theology uh, to help you. And to free you. Now, when I was growing up, all I ever heard was faith without works is dead. I heard that all the time. Faith without works is dead. And, and told that I need to straighten up. And, and if I was a real Christian, I would show it. And all that kind of stuff. And if you don't have works, then you probably weren't saved. If you don't have good works, you probably weren't saved in the first place. You need to redo it. So I redid it a lot. A lot. Then I, then I got free. Faith changes your position with God. Faith gives you access to God's favor. Those are two things that we talked about concerning the law of faith. Um, stay with me here, Lisa, because I am veering way off where we were this morning in the early service. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Some versions stop right there. And the other versions say, Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In the actual manuscript, it stops right there. To those who are in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's actually the end of the verse. But translators... Uh, took another part of the latter part of Romans chapter 8, which that phrase, do not walk according to the flesh, but after the spirit, and put it up in verse 2. Because I, I personally believe they did it because sometimes it's hard to believe that the gospel is that good. And we want to put stipulations on it. That if you do right, there won't be condemnation. If you walk according to the spirit, there's no condemnation. But that's not what it says. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's the gospel. 
For the law of the spirit, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit, that's the law we're talking about today, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You're free. You've been made free. You've, not just, you've been better, better than set free. You've been made free. Being set free, that you have the potential to go back into bondage, but being made free, that's, that's one thing. You can never be bound. If you're made free, created for freedom, born into a kingdom where you were created free. All right, and Paul, Paul talked to uh, the Galatians, uh, the Galatian church, and he said in, in Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And the yoke of bondage that he's talking about was not going out and drinking and partying, which you shouldn't be, you know, be doing all that stuff, but it's not what he's addressing. He's actually try, he's talking about the yoke of bondage being that you trying to be made righteous by your efforts. Living by the law, which has passed away, which has been fulfilled in Christ. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. All right? The end of the law. So now a new day, a new covenant, a new reality has come to us. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Is it, everybody all right? All right, maybe I'll lighten up a little bit. This, this preacher was wanting, he, he was kind of a stoic preacher and, and kind of quiet and, and, and was a little bit awkward in the way he delivered his messages. So finally he heard about this effective communication conference where other ministers, these powerful ministers who were great speakers were coming to, to teach them how to preach better and how to connect with their audiences better. So he went to this conference and he's listening and this, this one great speaker stands up and, and, he, and he tells everyone, he says, I, 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 the, the, better, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman who was not my wife. And the crowd just got real quiet. And then he said, it was my mother. And the crowd erupted in laughter and the, that preacher sitting there and he's thinking, that's pretty good. So he thought he would go home and that next Sunday put that joke in his sermon. So as he's trying to work this sermon out and rehearse it and he gets to church and, 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 he, and, and he stands up there, it's time for him to preach and he's getting ready to tell the joke and now he's really nervous because he's really out of his element to do anything like this and so he begins the joke. He says, uh, I need to announce to you today that the, that the best part of, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman who's not my wife and the crowd, <gasps> half the air got sucked out of the room and and, and while they're all trying to figure out what the heck he's talking about, he, he gets foggy and he can't remember <laughs> the next part of his joke. And finally he says, for the life of me, I cannot remember who that was. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 3, but if the ministry of death... Written and engraved on stones was glorious. What, what is that? What is he talking about? He's talking about the law of Moses, isn't he? Talking about the Ten Commandments. And what does it call it? The ministry of death. Written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So Moses had had a 40-day meeting with God and he came down off this mountain and, and he is been in the presence of God and it, that presence of God illuminated his face so bright that the children of Israel couldn't look upon his face. So he wore this veil over his face. 
Now watch. All right, let's go back to seven. Which glory was passing away. Remember that, that part, passing away. Verse eight, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Verse, eight, verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, wow, so it calls the law the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. This is good. The ministry of condemnation had glory. The ministry of righteousness or of the Spirit exceeds much more in glory. Okay? Verse 10. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In other words, it doesn't even compare to the glory that has now been revealed through the new covenant, through the Spirit. All right? Verse 11. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. So this new covenant that has come has come to stay. It remains. The other one was here for a dispensation. It was here for a time. But now, this glory remains. All right? Continue. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Verse 13, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at what? At the end of what was passing away. So in the beginning... He put that veil on so they could look on him, but Moses knew something about what was, what was happening, that this light, this illumination was fading. So he kept the veil on his face so they would think that it was still there. So that they could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Oh, wow. But their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament or Old Covenant because the veil is taken away in Christ. Wow. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the heart. Let's look at 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, oh, wait a second. You mean, you mean while, while, while they're in, intrinsically involved and searching the old covenant, they're not going toward the Lord? Huh? While they're memorizing their rules and regulations, this seems to say that's not turning to the Lord. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. See, that law only could attain one thing. Paul said what it attained for me was self-righteousness. That's the end of it. That was the best I could attain to was self-righteousness. Righteousness that is my own. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. That's what he said in Philippians. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. The veil is taken away in Christ. There's also a scripture in the book of Galatians that is misinterpreted. It says, for until, uh, um, let's see, come on, thank you, Eric. But the law was given as a tutor until Christ, all right? Some translations say to bring us to Christ. The law was given to bring us to Christ. But the law doesn't bring people to Christ, all right? If it brought people to Christ, the Pharisees would have loved him, 
They would have, if the, if the law brings people to Christ, Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, would have loved Jesus. He would have loved this gospel. He would have stopped trying to kill the church. But he hated it because the law brought him to self-righteousness. And when you're self-righteous, you don't have a need for Jesus. Matter of fact, you despise anyone who talks about the goodness and the grace of God. And call people who preach the gospel all kinds of names. And call the gospel all kinds of terrible names because they have no understanding because they're wrapped up in their own righteousness. And not the righteousness which comes by faith. Not the righteousness which comes from God. We have been partakers of his righteousness now. That's what the scripture teaches us. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. That's, that's an amazing thought. But this new covenant, this is a much more glorious, and it's all known by the Spirit. All right, let's continue to read. Stay with me here. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, say unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You cannot attain to this knowledge and this, this truth by your own way. It, ha it only comes by the Spirit. The Spirit is the revealer, the revealer part of God. Hallelujah. Uh, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He's there to let you know what God has given you. He's there inside of you to let you know what God has given you. And he will always guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, as long as he's guiding you, as long as you're being led by him and following him, you'll never live a lie, ever. He will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things. That's what's in you now. That's the, that, what makes this, this reality, this law of the Spirit, so much greater than what those men of old had is that you have the Spirit who came and moved inside of you and stays with you. He lives in you. Every day of your life, he's there. Every day of your life, he's there on the inside of you. He remains there. There's a scripture in Psalm chapter 51, I believe, where David cries out to God. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because for these guys, the Spirit would come up on them and then the Spirit would depart. Can you imagine how maddening that must have been? To have these glorious experiences in the presence of God, the Spirit would come upon them and they would do great things and, and they would speak great things and then he would leave. Imagine what that must have been like for somebody like David who loved the Lord and then all of a sudden couldn't, since his, didn't, his presence is gone from him. You have an ever-present, ever-present presence called the Spirit of the living God living in you. And it is a fountain inside of you springing up into everlasting life. And Jesus said that spirit in you will be like a river, rivers of living water flowing from your heart, flowing from your innermost being. Beautiful, huh? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. You are free today. When you understand it, see, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail they were thrown in jail in, um, in Philippi for preaching the gospel. And they were they first beaten with, uh, with rods. And then they were thrown in jail. And they were put, the scripture says, their hands and their feet were put in the stocks. And they were in the lower part of the prison. And at midnight, they started singing songs. 
At midnight, they started singing. The scripture says they sang praises. They prayed and they sang praises to God. All right? What is their motivation? Right? They're in the depths of a prison, chained up. And the other prisoners, the scripture says, were listening to them. They're listening to them because these don't sound like average prisoners. They're in there praising God. As a matter of fact, they sound like free men. They're doing things that free men do, not prisoners do. And something amazing happened. As they praised God, the scripture says that an earthquake occurred. And the prison doors flung open and the chains fell off of their wrists and their feet. And they were freed from that because what was in them began to manifest in the outside. So you can be free wherever you go. You can be free in prison. You can be free in school. You can be free here and there. Because greater is he that's living in you than he that's in the world. Amen. He's been made free despite circumstantial evidence, despite circumstances and situations of this world, despite what this world tries to do to mold you and to squeeze you and to contain you. It can't do it. When you're free, you're free. When you're free, you're free. That's why I love the United States of America. Because we declared we were free. Long before we actually were. Long before we actually were. Five years and a few months before we actually were free. We just made a declaration. Made up our minds that we were free. And it didn't matter how long the war. It didn't matter what kind of fight would take place after that. Once we had made up our minds, there's no, there was no stopping us. Hmm? Once you make up your mind, you're free. You're not free the day the devil decides to leave you alone. You're, day, you're free the day you decide you're free. Because he whom the Son has set free and made free is free indeed. The truth is what makes you free. Amen. And you can't stop a free person. You can hinder them. I mean, the devil can hinder you, but he can't stop you. He can do his best, but his best will never be good enough. Amen. You're free indeed. All right. One of the things that I love about the Spirit, this law of the Spirit, having this, the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives is, um, is found in Romans 8. And I'll just finish with this thought today. That it says that if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance or with patience. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it. I can remember as a kid when my parents would tell us that, you know, we're going to go to Six Flags on Saturday, which was a big deal because we lived out in West Texas and that meant we we're going to take a road trip. We we're going to go to Six Flags. And, and I eagerly waited, for, not, with, not with much patience, but eagerly waited for Six Flags, you know, and you start dreaming about what rides you're going to ride and talking about those things. When we hope for what we do not see, when, when, when there's a desire that's in you that, you that you don't see and you know it's going to take time and you know that the, it's going to take the Lord helping you and showing you, you eagerly wait for that thing with patience. See, patience is, the, is just the cool, calm, and steady of waiting. It, 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 the fact that you're patient proves that you have, are assured that it's coming. Anxiousness is what takes you away from surety. Patience is the assurance. 
it's coming. God's word is true. I'm persuaded of his promise. So I am patient. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance or patience. Likewise, Romans 8, I think verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Interesting. You hope for what you do not see, and you eagerly wait for it with perseverance. The Spirit also helps you in that way. In other words, He has a hope for you, and He has patience. To see you come into everything that God's called you to. You, just like in the same way, the Spirit helps you in your. For we do not know, now this is awesome, we do not know what to pray as we ought. Think about who wrote, who wrote the book of Romans? Paul, ultimately the Holy Spirit, but the Apostle Paul used Paul, the Apostle Paul's hand. All right. <clears throat> it says that, help, Paul says this, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit helps us. He helps us in our prayer. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us there. He comes alongside and gives us aid. That's why I I am so adamant and I believe, and I believe that every believer should speak in other tongues. It's so important for us as believers to have every advantage that we can on this earth. You have enough things working against you. You need things working for you. And one of the gifts that God gives his people freely is this gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because when you're praying, Paul says, when I pray in the Spirit, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. It's not, this isn't, these aren't things I'm making up. These aren't things I'm I'm working up. This is coming from my spirit. And your spirit, the scripture says, is one spirit with God. That means that your spirit knows exactly what to pray because it knows God. It's so closely intermingled with him that you really can't even separate the two and knows exactly what to pray. So he comes along your aid and your spirit has things to say, but it just needs your mouth and your tongue to do it, right? And what I love about the language of the spirit is it sounds ludicrous. Does it not? I mean, come on. It sounds ludicrous. Sounds like a bunch of gibberish because the carnal mind is at enmity with the things of the spirit. So it's up there going, this is wacko. This is just wacko. I've been speaking in tongues for, I don't know. I don't even remember when I started speaking in tongues. Don't even remember it. Just been in that atmosphere, been in that environment all my life and I'm blessed to do it. I'm not blessed by everything I've experienced in church, but I'm I'm blessed by that experience. I'm blessed by that experience. I I really am. It's always just been a a part of my life. And even to this day, I'm 40-something years old. And even to this day, even to this day, it still sounds crazy to me. But I still do it. Because I need my spirit man talking. I want to stay connected to the emphasis and the things of the spirit. And not get out here on my own. Because out here on my own is a dangerous place. I'll reason things out. I'm telling you, you can justify yourself in so many ways if you just left to yourself. 
You're living on the inside of your head, you'll come up with all kinds of psychotic things that have nothing to do with the Spirit. Nothing to do with the Spirit. But if you'll be led by the Spirit, the Scripture says, since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit keeps you connected in that way that you're able to talk to God. He who prays in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. He speaks mysteries. He edifies. He strengthens himself. He builds himself up on his most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to encourage you to do that. Have a regular practice of praying in the Spirit more and more. I've never met anyone that felt like they prayed in tongues too much. But I've met lots of people that said, I don't do it enough. Me included. Yeah. When I was attending Christ for the Nations, I had a, there's a guy named Charlie there. He was kind of a wild one like you, Charlie. Yeah, he was. I thought he was a little thrown off, to be honest with you, because he walked around campus praying in tongues all the time, which that's not totally abnormal at Christ for the Nations. But he would try to have, you'd try to have a conversation with you, and he wouldn't stop praying in tongues while you're trying to have a conversation with him. That's abnormal. (laughs) And he's always walking around smiling wherever he went. Always had his eyebrows up. Just living in wonderment wherever he went. I thought, man, I wish I could see life like that. He's just walking around, just praying in the Holy Spirit. I'd say, hey, Charlie, how you doing? And he'd just, bye, 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 He'd shake my hand and smile. Bye, bye, just keep praying in tongues and walk on. All right, well, at least you're edified. And he would just pray in tongues all the time. But there was something about him that I just loved. I, I loved seeing him. I loved because he just had this joy about him all the time. And I thought, I wonder if those two things are connected. And praying in the spirit. And he, actually, once in a while, he would, he would come down from heaven and talk to you in English. And, and he said, uh, I, I lived next door to him, actually, over at the, at the G. And he said, um, he said, you know why I pray in tongues all the time? I said, no, tell me why, Charlie. He said, because, I, Paul, because something I read in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, I pray, I thank my God I pray in tongues more than you all. He said, I saw that as a challenge. So I'm determined to beat Paul. Good luck with that. It's quite a cause you got there. <laughs> Go for it, Charlie. Uh, I hope he's still doing it today. Amen. But, but just keeping yourself in the, in the environment of the Spirit and, and the language of the Spirit um, keeps you closer to the understanding and the reality of this new covenant living that we are now experiencing today. He brought a new and living way and it's only by the Spirit will you walk in that way. It's only by the Spirit that you'll know how to walk in this new way. That you'll throw off the confinements of the world. You'll throw off the confinements of the law and religion, self-righteousness and be free by the Spirit of God. This is a glory that is excelling. This is a glory that we are by him moving from glory to glory to glory to glory. And his spirit is there to guide you that very way. Father, thank you for this great day. Thank you that you love us and you gave yourself for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for our sins. They buried you in a tomb and three days later, God raised you from the dead. And by doing that, 
You said, whoever believes on me will not perish but have everlasting life. So we, at some point, have or need to come to the end of our own way, of our own effort, our own thinking, and resign to the truth that you died for our sins. We couldn't earn righteousness. We can't earn heaven. We can't earn these good things. We can't earn favor with God. We believe on the Lord Jesus. We believe that his sacrifice was worthy, was worthy of our lives. That Christ, by what he did, earned every soul of man rightfully so that we could all be together forever with him. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, believe on him today. Believe on him. Be free from your sins. Be free from guilt and shame. Be free from the darkness that you are in. Look to Jesus. Believe on him. Accept him into your life. Declare that he is your Lord. You're no longer, you don't want to be the Lord of your own life. You're putting your trust in him. And let him lead you in this life by his spirit. And you can know the beautiful thing about this gospel is, is that there has so much help for you in this world. But when you close your eyes in death, you will immediately wake up in heaven in his presence. And that's where you're going to spend a long time. So believe on him today. Trust him. There are some of you here today who need to just open yourself up to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to do this my way. I don't want to live this life my way. And you've run into hindrances and barriers and all kinds of things. Today, just invite the Holy Spirit to renew you and to refresh you in the things of God. Invite his voice to be the leading voice in your life. Let him take you. Let him take you by the hand and guide you and lead you. Let him bring you into the rest of the Lord. Where you don't strive in your own strength, but you walk by faith. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that today you are our healer. I thank you for bodies being healed, those that are in need today of healing, that right now at this moment, they are being healed. I thank you, Lord, for your assistance, your help for people, Lord. There are some here who are anxious, some here who are uncertain about things, Lord, some that are here worrying and, and fearful. And Father, I thank you for your peace now to rest upon them. Thank you, Lord right now that you are a very present help in time of need. There are some here who are so needy, God. There are some here, Lord, who need breakthrough. I thank you, Lord, that all things are possible to those who will simply believe on our God who is on our side today and who is able to take every situation and make all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the call according to his purpose. In the mighty name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.